Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. My soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What a great Sunday it is to be gathered with God's people. Forgive us for the technical difficulties. I know the stream has uh, been lagging and in and out, uh, but nevertheless, we're just going to continue on and uh, try to get together through worship and the word of God. Hopefully we can post this later. I'll tell you this, man. Um, Sunday mornings is a reminder of our need to be in the presence of God. It, it really is. It, it's a reminder of our need, not only to be in the presence of God through worship and shout out to the worship team and Colin, but it is a reminder of our need to be taught the word and not just have time in a quick time in devotion or, you know, quick time in prayer, like do those things. Those definitely are needed, but there is something important about being taught the word. I think Romans 16 will say it this way, that now unto him who strengthens us according to my gospel and the preaching of the gospel. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to communicate the word of God today. I tell you what, the word of God has the ability to transform lives and change hearts and break down strongholds. And I don't know, man, maybe I've just been doing it for a while and but I just believe that the word does all of those things. Uh, if you'll do me a favor, if this is up and you guys are getting this, won't you share this link with somebody? Let them know we're live. Let them know our 930 service was a little, little uh, messed up, but we are back up and we are live. We're about to get to the word of God. All right, grab your Bibles. Go to the Old Testament. Let's go to some of Solomon's words in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4 is where we're going to hang out. Uh, as you guys turn there, let me just lay my cards on the table. Um, by nature, I am a introvert. I think I, I get energy and I thrive off of being around people. And, you know, when I'm around people, I'm typically happy to be around people. But um, when I disconnect, I, I just feel depleted. I don't know if that's anybody's story where you're around people, you feel energized, and then you walk away and kind of feel tired. You feel feel a little bit drained. Uh, as an introvert, I would much rather, if you gave me my choice, I'd much rather be home in my PJs, uh, watching Money Heist with Ty and anime with my youngest son. Um, but that's not the reality of the context of community. We, we were made to be a part of a community. We were made to be a part of one another and joining in this thing called the body. And sometimes that's not easy if I'm honest, it wasn't easy when I first gave my life to the Lord, and it's still not easy. Sometimes I have to strive and I have to press, and sometimes I don't feel like people. I don't, I don't know if that's y'all's story, but sometimes I don't. I'm just laying my cards on the table. But I think what Solomon is going to do this morning is Solomon is going to drop wisdom on us, and he's going to really point us to the need of community, and while doing so, showing us the dangers in being isolated. The dangers in being by ourselves, the dangers in being disconnected. I feel like I'm preaching already. Pandemic has certainly pushed us to a place of isolation. Not everybody, but a few of us, those who naturally were introverted, the pandemic have, has exacerbated that. And we've become more introverted and we've become more isolated. Not everybody, but just a few of us. I think as we move into another season, it's important for us to move into another season with the body with community, 
with your sisters and your girls and with your, with your boys and, and connected together. So let's dig in. We're in Ecclesiastes 4. Again, let somebody know we're live. Pick me up in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Watch this. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm? Here's that word again, alone. And though a man will prevail against another uh, who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I I simply want to, if y'all were in the building, I would say, look at your neighbor and just say, better together. But since you're not in the building, why don't you just type that in the chat room for me. Better together is what we're going to be talking about today. We are better. We are stronger together. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we do give you praise and glory. We realize that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we need guidance. I have no clue why we're having difficulties through technology today. But Father, we pray that your word would go forth, that it would penetrate hearts, that it would change lives, that it would not return void. You promised that it wouldn't. So Father, today, may your word translate well into people's lives. May we be able to take this word and apply it in a very simple way. May it be maybe simple, not complex, not cluttered, but simple. Speak to us today is what I'm asking for your glory. May Jesus be heard. May he be felt and may he be seen. Pray that the gospel would be clear today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Better together. Uh, In a recent article I read, Uh, In Christianity Today, they did some research and they they showed the dangers of living in isolation. So what they did was they they went through all of these stats and did all of these studies and they found in 2006, a study was conducted of 3,000 women who had breast cancer and found that those that had breast cancer and had a large network of friends were four times more likely to survive due to social connections. I also read another stat in that same, same article. It was another study found that men that were in their 50s that had active friendships are less likely to have heart attacks than those that live in isolation. That same article laid out another stat. It was a study involving 3,000 Americans, and they found that those who had childhood friends throughout their life lived, most of them lived well past 80 I think what we can conclude from these stats is that we were created to do life together. We, we were created to be locking arms. We were, be, we were created to be shoulder to shoulder. We were created for community. We were created to have people in our lives. There's a Jewish proverb that says that with a man without a right hand, without a companion, is like a right hand without a left hand. You can certainly go through life with one hand, but let's just be honest, it's a little bit more difficult. It's a, a little bit harder. I don't know if you ever tried to wash your hand with just one hand. It, it is not easy to do. And what that proverb is saying is the same thing that Solomon is saying. And Solomon is saying, we are better when we are together. Yet the culture will push against this idea of community. 
Culture likes this idea of individualism and isolation, and it typically shows up in the idioms that we choose to use. Too many cooks in the kitchen spoil the stew, but I've learned now that I'm 41, I've learned that I'd rather have stew, stew that's okay with friends than stew that tastes great in isolation. What the culture often pushes is do it by yourself. You don't need people. You could just grind, just work harder. And I think what Solomon is going to do is debunk this idea of individualism. And he's going to show us the dangers and isolation. Now, you'll notice that we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. I keep saying Solomon. So let me kind of backtrack a little bit. Solomon is the writer of this book. And, and, and he didn't only write this book, but Solomon also wrote the book before this book, which is the book of Proverbs. And many commentators will say that the book of Ecclesiastes is the sad sequel to the book of Proverbs. Why? Because Proverbs is written by Solomon and he writes all of these wise, witty sayings and he's writing them to his sons. But Ecclesiastes, people say, is the sad sequel because it is Solomon showing that he didn't always keep the wise sayings that he once said in the book before this one, but whether you call this the sad sequel or not, I think it's important for us to understand that Solomon is warning us today through verses 9 to 12 of the dangers of being by ourselves. He said back in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires and breaks out against all sound judgment. So true faith is always lived in the community of others. Let me say that again. True faith is always lived in the community of others, which is why when Jesus saved you, you were baptized into a body. Why? Because true faith is always lived out in the community of others. And so we would do well today to heed everything that Solomon is going to say. Now, I have four points. I usually do three, but I think the way the text is broken up, four points is what, Paul, is what uh, Solomon is giving us. Here, here's the four points I want to work through. They're going to pop up on the screen. We are better together when we are working. Secondly, he's going to point out that we are better together when you fall down. Third, he's going to point out that we are better together when you are in the cold. And then fourth, he's going to point out that we are better together when we are in a fight. Let's consider the first one and we'll go through all of them together. We are better together when you are working. Watch this word that he uses. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their, watch this word, toil. This word toil is speaking of hard work, of diligent labor. This is not the picture of someone sitting behind a cubicle playing Candy Crush. This is hard work, toil, and diligent labor and the assumption underneath the text is that we were all created for work that the text will assume that work is a normal part of our life the text doesn't su suggest to us that work and hard work I should say is a punishment hard work is not the result of the fall Hard work is not what we got because Adam and Eve fell. No, no. Hard work is a part of our daily lives. It's a part of how God created this thing to work. How do I know? Because God told, uh, told uh, Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he took the man in the garden. He said, work it and keep it. They didn't fall till Genesis 3. In other words, work was a part of God's creative genius. And I don't know how this works out, but somehow we'll be able to look in retrospect, when we get to heaven and see how God used hard work 
for his glory. We'll see how God used hard work and made it a beautiful thing. So hard work is unavoidable. Hard work is a not a part of it's not a part of the fall. Hard work is how God wired the universe. And many will try to stay away from hard work, but it's a part of the original plan. But the affirmation in the text is not just about hard work. The affirmation in the text is that we can do more when we put our hard work together. The affirmation of the text is that we can get more done if we put our skills together. We can get more done if we put our strength together. We can get more done if we put our wisdom together. We can get more done if we put our money together. And we can get more done if we put our resources together. The most successful people will tell you they did not get to a place of success simply by individualistic grind, but they got there because of the help of others. Solomon declares that two are better than one when you go to work. And this is the reason why we as a church are always asking for more help and for volunteers. I saw Ty's announcement this morning that we need photographers and we're always looking for people that have giftings to sing and giftings for hospitality. At some point soon, we're going to gather back together as a body and we need people that will put their hands to the plow. We're always looking for deacons and always looking for, for, for elders and we're always looking for people that will say, I want to seek city renewal and we can do that and we can do that better together. Can you imagine how we can make impact on this city if everybody that was a part of the community said, I'm going to put my skills to work. I'm going to put my hand to the plow. I'm going to put my, my whatever giftings I have, I'm going to couple it with your giftings and together two were better than one when it comes to their toil. The only thing worse than not working, because I want to caution you, is working with the wrong people. Uh-oh. Let me, let me caution us, because I, some people will hear me say, we're better together and work together and work together and we'll force ourselves in type of relationships and business deals and we'll find ourselves frustrated and we'll go against what God's original plan was for you and we'll do that in the name of we're working together. I mean, that's what happened at, at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that God told them after the flood, go and spread out and subdue the earth. But people stayed in one place and said, we're going to build a tower and get up to heaven. And God frustrated their plans. But even in frustrating their plans, there's a verse in there that says that nothing would be impossible to them because they worked together. In other words, the suggestion is that even the wrong plan can accomplish much when people work together. How much more can we accomplish as believers when we are doing the work and the will of God? We are better together when we work. We are better together when we labor together. I told somebody the other day, I, I know we've been in the midst of a pandemic, but the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are still few. Laborers, the workers are still few. But we can farm twice as much ground together. We can reach twice as many people together. We can make twice as much impact together. We can see twice as many marriages restored together. We can see twice as many addictions be broken down together. Together, together. Would somebody just type that in the chat room? We are better together. And we're better together when we work. So Solomon is going to move from there and he's going to say, you know what? We're not only better together when we work because great is the reward of our toil. But he also says we're better together when we fall down. 
I, I took issue earlier this week with the wording of his text here, but nevertheless, this is scripture. So who am I to argue with scripture? He says, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Watch this. But woe to him who was alone when he falls. Verse 10 addresses the, the, the common threat that every single one of us has, those who stand on two feet, and that is that we might fall. Now, here's what I took issue with. Here's what Solomon says. He says, if they fall, I actually wanted him to be a little bit more clear in the text. I wanted him to say, when you fall. But the text doesn't say that. It says if it speaks of a possible scenario, but the wording doesn't diminish the gravity of the statement. The statement is that you might fall. I don't care how experienced you are in walking. It doesn't matter how many years you walked. It doesn't matter if you take off them heels and you walk in them flats. It doesn't matter how careful you put one foot in front of the other. We all run the risk of falling. Anybody ever fell before? Okay, see, y'all think I'm still talking about physically falling. I'm no longer talking about physically falling because I don't think that's what that that's what Solomon is actually getting at. First Corinthians chapter 10 says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed unless he falls. The person who thinks that they are exempt from the fall is the person that is actually the leading candidate to fall. So verse 10 specifies that one will fall. Now, the danger isn't in you falling. We all going to fall. We're all going to trip up. Life is going to trip us up. Circumstances are going to trip us up. Sin is going to trip us up. We all will fall. The danger isn't in the fall. The danger is in the fall in isolation. The danger is when you fall and there isn't nobody around you to pick you up. Nobody's around you to restore you. The danger is in the last year and a half of the pandemic where we isolated ourselves and we went into retreat and we pulled back from our brothers and our sisters. And then we fell and had nobody else around us. Let me put some Bible right here. Galatians chapter six, verse one says, if anyone is caught in a transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of meekness or in the spirit of gentleness. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord and how spiritually mature you are. We all fall throughout this life. And the problem is we fall and don't have nobody around us. But I need friends around me that are going to not only pick me up and restore me when I fall, but I need friends around me that see me going down the wrong path and then say to me, what are you doing? What, 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 is, what is going on? See, we get in friendships with people. That's why the text says those of you who are spiritual, we get in friendships for the sake of mere friends. But I don't just need mere friends. I need people who are going to challenge me. I need people who are going to call me out on my sin. I need people who are going to see my IG post and say, what is that? I need sisters in my life who are going to see me and say, let me check your phone and see what websites you've been on. I need people in my life that are going to be honest with me and say, it ain't a good idea for you to go to her house. I need people in my life that will not only restore me when I fall, but stop me from falling. I think we underestimate the importance of relationships and the importance of friendships. And if the pandemic has not done anything else, it's caused Christians to be unchecked. It's, it's caused us not to have people around us that will spiritually restore us. Verse 10 says, 
that you might fall. And when you fall, it's dangerous to fall with nobody else around you. In fact, it says some very, I think, scary language. He says, woe to him. You know, whenever God wanted to bless somebody, he would say, blessed is the man. But whenever God wanted to curse somebody, he would say, woe to him. And in our text today, he says, woe to him who falls and has nobody else around him. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know somebody's in the midst of falling right now. Somebody's been in the midst of falling and you might be getting away with it for now. And it might seem like nothing. The world is not crashing down on you right now. But at some point, it always catches up with us. In fact, when I'm doing counseling and people are in my office or we're on a Zoom call and they're saying, ah, I, I fell into sin. My, my first question is, 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 who's the people around you? Who's restoring you? Who are you doing life with? Are you in your land as God's secret class? Are you serving in some capacity? Who is your team? Who is the leadership of your team? Who's in the discipleship group with you? I'm always asking who's in your life. Woe to him who falls but has nobody around him. The damnation isn't in the fall. It's in the fact that you have nobody around you. And so here's what Solomon says. He says, we're better together when you are working. We need to work together because we can farm twice as much ground, but we're also better together when you fall so that when you fall throughout life, people will be there to pick you up. Then he goes on to say we're better together when we're in the cold. Look at the way the text reads here. Verse 11, again, if two lie down, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Let me read that again. How can one keep warm alone? Alone. If the text in verse 10 addressed the dangers of falling, verse 11 addresses the dangers of freezing. The, the Bible here is really, see, what we've done is we've reduced this passage to simply be about a marriage. We've quoted this as, at weddings, and we say you should get married because you don't want to be out there cold. It's better to lie with somebody and be warm. But can I promise you, nowhere, not in, only in this passage, but nowhere in all of this uh, chapter does Solomon talk about a marriage. This is not about a marriage. That's a secondary application. The primary application is survival. In other words, this is the picture of a traveler. Stay with me. A traveler that's on a road. And, and as he's going on this road, night falls. And as night falls, He's too far from the inn to go in and check in. Or, or he gets to the inn and it's too many people there. And so he has to sleep outside in the elements. Sure, he has a tunic and sure, he has a cloak. But the elements are so cold that he cannot survive the night. And what, what Solomon is saying is there are some times that you'll be minding your business and walking on this road called life. And you'll fall amongst a situation where the elements are so cold that you'll need somebody to survive. That, that, that's what he's pointing out to us today, that you'll need another warm body to get you through life. I used to watch this show. It used to be on National Geographic. It's called I Should Be Dead. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but typically they would recreate these scenarios, and there were real-life scenarios of people that got into crazy situations, and how they survived them is, is beyond, like, you can't believe that they actually survived. It was people in the desert. And this one episode I was watching, these two hikers were hiking and they wandered off the trail. And when they wandered off the trail, they got lost into the woods and the night fell and it got freezing cold outside. 
And they didn't have enough clothing. These two guys didn't have enough clothing. And so they did what everybody else would have done. They huddled up together. And when they huddled up together, they were able to last through the night. Why? Because they exchanged the warmth of each other's body. And the point of the text is there are certain times in life that freezing temperatures will come. But it's important that on the warm days, you develop relationships so that when you get to the freezing cold, you'll have somebody to survive with. I know I'm talking to somebody I know I'm talking to somebody that throughout the pandemic, you've said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut everybody off. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of this family member. I'm tired of this dude. I don't like this relationship. So I cut everybody off. I ain't wait to no New Year's resolution. I did it in the midst of the pandemic, but it's foolish to cut everybody off. Because how can two, how can one person stay warm without the warmth of somebody else? Who is it that's been isolated? And you, you, you've been by yourself. What, what Solomon is saying to us today is you can't survive life doing life on your own. You need the help of others. We are better together. We're better together when we work. For the reward is greater. We are better together when we fall down. Because if I fall down, I got somebody else that can restore me or pick me up. We're better together in the cold. Because there are certain times in life where... We, we will get into situations where we are freezing and need somebody else. But finally, he says we are better together when we're in a fight. Look at verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who was alone, but two will withstand him. Another time we're picturing this guy traveling on the road, but this time he's not falling. This time he's not freezing. This time he gets among somebody that is violently trying to attack him. Maybe he's trying to rob him. Maybe he just wants to kill him. Whatever the case may be, what the text just said is, if it's just me alone, I might be able to beat him. But if there's two of us, it eliminates all doubts because two of us can overtake him. It's very practical. The statement confronts us with the fact that along life's journeys, you won't only be met with the elements of freezing, but you'll be attacked. And I know right now y'all are thinking physical attack, but the greatest attack is the enemy. The Bible says that Satan desires to kill, steal, and destroy. The greatest fight that you are fighting right now ain't with your cousin, ain't with your mother, ain't with your, your best friend, ain't in that relationship or that marriage. The greatest fight you are in right now is against the enemy of your soul that doesn't play fair and wants to kill you. And even in those moments, the text is still true. We need others to fight with us. We need others in our life that can say, girl, you better get back up. We need others in our life to say, you need to bob and weave, bro. You need others in your life that will push you and encourage you. I'll, I'll never forget. I'm, I, I didn't grow up like really in a lot of fights, but I remember this one time I was in the gym and we were in the gymnasium. We was playing basketball and me and another guy was playing ball. And I, I, you know how you do when you're on a court. Like, you know, you trash talk and I'm trash talking this guy, but he didn't like the trash talk. So we got into a verbal altercation in terms of we was going back and forth and I thought it was over. He ended, and I thought we was done. I thought we was done with the, the whole argument. We get in the locker room, and he takes his shirt off, and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. this. And I'm like, bro, you really want to fight? And I was ready to fight until he took his shirt off, and I saw how cut up he was. And I was like, e, I don't know if I want to do this. But then all of my boys that were around me all stood up and said, yo, we got a problem? 
and the dude backed down. And then, you know, I got real puffed up and act like I was, you know, I was down the whole time. But in reality, I only got bold because the people around me that were willing to fight with me stood up. And y'all don't have any clue how many times the enemy comes to us and you need your brothers and sisters to say, we got a problem, Satan? Let's get together. Let's call each other. Let's get on a prayer line. Let's fast together. Let's, let, let's go through a book of the Bible together. Let's really call out the issues. Let's work together in this fight. There are some spiritual attacks you can't survive on your own. That There are some battles you can't win on your own. There are some enemies that you can't defeat on your own. There are some habits you can't break on your own. You're wondering why you keep going back to it. It's not that you are weak or it is strong. It's that you need somebody else in the ring with you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if I'm talking to you, if you just shout that out in the chat room, I need somebody in the ring with me. I've been fighting this thing alone. I've been going through this life alone. I've been getting attacked alone. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. but We wrestle against spiritual attacks. And, and, and we wrestle against spiritual wickedness and evil. And I can promise you, you're not stronger by yourself. You're not stronger than Satan himself. Don't ever get it twisted. Your God is, but you're not. And what we need is people in our lives that are pushing us toward this fight. Because the only thing I can promise you this, Josh, the only thing you're going to do with the rest of your life as you are in this body, in the presence of sin, the only thing you, have, you can do every single day is fight. You don't graduate from the fight. We fight until God comes back for us and he ultimately will be victorious. But in this life, we got to fight. Now, through the whole sermon, I've been saying two are better than one. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. But guess what? Note the progression of the text. At the end of it, he doesn't talk about two. He says a threefold cord. It's not quickly broken. I've been saying two are better than one. And yes, a single cord can only hold so much weight. And a double cord might be able to sustain a bit more weight. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I've been walking with the Lord for a while now. And I, I, I can promise you, sometimes the threefold cord is me, you, and Jesus. In a marriage, the threefold cord is me, my wife, and Jesus. And a lot of times we underestimate the importance of daily having Jesus a part of our life. Not day by day, not minute by minute, but second by second. I need Jesus. Between me and you needs to be Jesus. Every friendship you have between you and that friendship needs to be Jesus. And how do we keep Jesus at a central place? We make sure that he's always, he's a common part of our conversation. He's a common part of the reason we get together. I'm talking to a marriage right now. Your, your marriage is, is, is sometimes in, sometimes it's up, and sometimes it's down, and sometimes it's on the rock. What you need is a threefold cord. But what, what Solomon is saying is two is good, three is even better. And sometimes that three is not just three physical people, but sometimes it is the presence of Jesus. Now, at the risk of, of, of contradicting my entire sermon, there is one occasion where one is better than two. One occasion. 
And that is when it comes to matters of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stands alone. I don't need two religions. Jesus completes it. Nobody completes Jesus. Nobody compares to Jesus. Nobody matches up with Jesus. Two religions aren't better than one. Two lords aren't better than one. Two ways to get to God isn't better than one. Jesus covers all basis. Yes, you go through life and you need people, but don't get it twisted. When it comes to faith, you only need one, and that's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our all-sufficient prophet. He is our all-sufficient priest. He is our all-sufficient king. He's the only one that's able to be the priest and the sacrifice at the same time. We don't need to, Jesus say it this way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the intersection between heaven and earth. Can you type that in? That Jesus is the intersection between heaven and earth. And the only way to be saved is to run to the cross and put your faith in the work that Jesus Christ has done, that he stood condemned on the cross so that I would not have to. Yes, I'm talking to somebody that lives in isolation. Yet, yet today I'm talking to that person that's been going through life and you've been going through life and getting spiritually attacked and you won't got nobody around you. I really don't know. We can play something soft. We, I, I really don't know how people can go through life and not have others. I need God's body. Yo, y'all, I, 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 I do. I, I need you. I, I need God's people. I need the community. Verse 10 says, woe unto him when he falls and has nobody else around him. I'm not naive. I know some of you have been falling and you've been falling in isolation. And I don't necessarily mean sin. I mean, that, that's a strong possibility. But I'm talking... Some of you just getting tripped up in life. Emotionally, we got tripped up and mentally we got tripped up. What you need is a plethora of people around you that are like-minded, that all have the common goal of making sure that you get back up and that you get restored. I know who I'm talking to today, but I want to pray for you. You're making life harder than it needs to be. You're, you're, you're making this thing a lot harder because you're doing it with an individualistic mind. And Solomon is here today to say, we're better together. Two are better than one. Father, I pray for everybody that's on today. Pray for us. Help us to out ourselves today. Help us to be honest and say, you know what? I'm, I'm that person that has gone through life and been isolated. It's comfortable. It's it's easy to retreat back into myself. It's easier to, I don't want nobody in my business. Lord, help us to really understand why is it that we don't want people in our business? What, what, what business do we have that we don't want people in? I ain't saying everybody. I think it's foolish to be transparent with everybody. But Father, help us to have a crew. Not a clique, a crew that holds us down, that lifts us up that works with us, that challenges us and encourages us. There are many times where all of us at some point will need restoration. And where does restoration come from if we don't have people that take us there? You who are spiritual, restore the one who has fallen or is weak. 
So, Father, we trust you today. I, I believe that this community will be stronger if we all have the mindset that I'm bringing all of it together. Because together, we can do much more. And I also, Lord, I do want to pray for the person that in the midst of this thing we call church, they've been hurt before. And so because they've been hurt, it's easier not to not to connect. It's, it's easier to just pop on the live stream. It's easier to just come to the service and then just leave. But it's, it's a lot more vulnerable for us to get in. And I don't want to be hurt again. Church hurt is real. I understand it. But God, God I pray that we would get to a place of healing. That the church hurt wouldn't cause us to be toxic. That we go through life and realize that two really are better than one. We are better together. Put that in our hearts, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray and give all glory. Amen.